What's up, guys? Welcome into a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly, fresh off the 2022 NFL Draft. Joined by Matt Money Smith, as always, and this will be our uh, last appearance with Dane Brugler. And Buddy, we should give Dane a round of applause for uh, that incredible performance over the last four months with the Beast and getting everybody informed. I was referring to that thing all weekend long, man. Um, I know it was a lot of work, uh, but congratulations. No, hey, I, it was uh, every year. Uh, you know, so much work goes into it, and you're like why am I doing this? You know, is it, is, is it it's even worth it? Like, what are we doing here? Uh, you know, when it's uh, two o'clock in the morning in middle of January and you're trying to find how many siblings this seventh round corner has, but you know what? It's, it, it's all, it was all worth it to put it all, to put it all together. And then it, it's a lot of fun to see these guys get drafted, all the reactions. And then, you know, um, uh, got a lot of positive feedback from fans that, you know, we're, using the guide as the reference and so that, that that's really cool to hear Did you get 100 percent uh 99.9 so pretty close um you know, you miss? uh hey I, your illinois punter i mean what, <laughs> what happened, what happened? Was, uh, was, uh, uh, was it was it a patriot pick it's always the patriots that screw you right well look i, I all 262 players that were drafted were in the draft guide so that was oh, did. okay that's what yes. i was talking so, about did you get everyone yeah, yeah, that was yeah. drafted so you got 100 percent uh, yeah, now there were a few players uh, that I didn't have a write-up for, but they were ranked and their all their testing data was in the in the guide. So that was there you go. that works. That, that that that's the goal every year is to get everybody that's drafted in the guide. So that happened. Congratulations! Not easy. No, it's not. Not it's, easy. Yeah, it's because all it takes is one team to really love a player that you know. And I, I thought there, you know, there like there was a German prospect that the last two weeks before the draft, all of a sudden started to get this buzz. And you're like, oh, no, because uh, he, he's not in there. Uh, but he, he might have a chance to get drafted. But, no, thankfully uh, for me, selfishly, uh, yeah, everybody was in there. Where well, the, the author of go? the uh, – what's that? Oh, I don't know. I haven't seen his – Blake, has he signed yet with the team? I saw the Illinois kicker got drafted. Which, no, he got signed by the oh, Chargers yeah. as, uh, as an undrafted free agent, which is interesting because I called the NFL PA game. And Jeff Fisher set him up to fail. He basically just took three knees at the end of the game. They were down two and he forced the, the Illinois kicker to, to kick from 46. And it was just a terrible shank. And I was like, oh, Fisher, you totally screwed this kid. <laughs> you couldn't give him an extra 10 yards. Uh, so it was interesting to see the Chargers brought him into camp as a competition, uh, as a competition kicker. We know Buddy, that's what it was. But I, when I saw that, I got real excited thinking it was, it I was, know, so did I. Guy. I was like, ah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think our man Blake has made a roster. Clearly, my eyes are not trained for what the the world wants in punters. I guess, alas, I'll well, go back to twenty uh, twenty three. Dane, let's just start at the top, man. The Chargers had a bunch of picks. Uh, I, I think we talked about Zion Johnson to, to close our last pod, and um, there he was at number seventeen overall. The way the board shook out, it looked to be the right move for the Bolts. Hey, no credit to you, uh, you know, Chris, because I know you really wanted to talk about Zion and his fit, um, uh, and that that's ended up the direction I went in my mock, my final mock draft of Zion to the Chargers because you know it just it it was such a perfect fit, and turns out you know there were a few players on the board like a Trevor Penning and, and a few other guys, but they went Zion Johnson, and uh, you know I was asked uh, two weeks ago before the draft who was my favorite player in the draft, and that they kind of caught me off guard, like a you know, favorite player. Like I can't just go with chalk and say Aiden Hutchinson or uh, so I, I thought about it and you know what Zion Johnson, he, he's my favorite player in the draft. Cause he's just, it's so easy to appreciate the way he plays the game. I mean, six, three, 315 pounds. 
you see the play strength, you see the movement skills. Uh, and then he's so smart the way he plays, uh, he, the way he processes the action and puts himself in a position to execute is just so, so impressive. Uh, the position flex is, is great. He started double digit games at three different positions uh, in college. And that doesn't include center, which a lot of teams feel like center is going to be his best long term position in the NFL. Uh, it's where he played at the senior bowl. So there's at least that flexibility there if you want to play him. Uh, at center, but I, I think as a plug and play guard, Zion Johnson has a, it just checks a lot of boxes for what you're looking for. Um, and, and in the middle of the first round like that, where the chargers were picking it, you know, a good chance you're missing out on uh, some of the, you know, quote unquote uh, elite guys or the, you know, the top of the guys on your, on your, on your draft board, but Zion Johnson sitting right there, a guy that you can draft plug into and he's part of the part of, uh, of the culture that he's going to bring. I mean, that that's a big part of it too. So, uh, you know, what not only brings to the locker room, to the field, um, but he's just a great guy to talk to as well. So I thought it was a home run pick. Let's just stick with uh, position then, Dane. So kind of share with with us and, and the listeners how Jamari Salyer, who, you know, is a left tackle for Georgia, who has tackle guard flexibility, did it in the middle of the national championship game. Why does he slide to the sixth round? Because when you look at the numbers, what was it, a single sack? and like a couple pressures in his entire college career. So kind of walk us through why he was there in the sixth round. Uh, uh, I heard from a few teams, because that's usually when on when Sunday comes of the draft, that's when I start you know texting and reaching out to people and saying, okay, well, why did this guy fall? Why did this guy fall? Uh, a lot of responses are uh, our coaches didn't like him or not to Sawyer, but just in general, uh, you know, a lot of guys, you know, the interviews didn't go well or, uh, or it's the medicals and the medicals are a big part. And that's what I heard on Sawyer. There were a few teams that, that dinged the medicals. And then the other part of it is he's just, he wasn't a great tester. Um, you know, he, the, the jumps weren't great. The lower body explosion uh, weren't great. Um, and so I think that when you look at pure traits, um, maybe he doesn't stack up with some other uh, prospects in this class, but this is a trust the tape guy. I, I mean, just watch him at Georgia at left tackle. And he just doesn't give up pressures. I mean, he does not uh, – you don't see a lot of neg- negative reps there. Um, and it doesn't always look pretty. It doesn't always look like necessarily, uh, you know, perfect coaching tape, but he gets the job done consistently. This is a player I thought was worthy of a day-two pick uh, based off of, uh, you know, just his ability, based off of what he did in college. Uh, but, again, you're trusting the tape with a player like this. And to get him uh, later on in day three I thought was a, a huge steal uh, with Sawyer. So character wise, I, I think the chargers are really going to, you know, like what he brings to the locker room, uh, versatility. Uh, you know, he played mostly tackle, uh, but I, I think his body type and the way he plays, uh, you're going to kick him inside the guard. Uh, I know some teams kind of viewed him as a tackle guard tweener. Like they weren't sure if he was going to be a perfect fit at either of those spots kind of in the middle, but I think he can make that transition to guard and be a really quality player. I think he adds immediate depth to this team. It's it's incredible that he was there based on, you know, just looking at your guide and seeing, okay, shoot, we're in the sixth round. Sawyer's still available. I mean, could you potentially kick him out to right tackle, uh, Dane? I mean, he has that experience. He started a couple of games at right tackle in his career. Um, I, I don't – ideally, you're not leaving him on, on an island. Um, I, I think that he's a guy that takes those narrow steps and, uh, you know, he just doesn't have a ton of range, especially with the way he uses his hands. So I think that moving him to kind of a closed quarters type of position like guard is really going to help him. Um, but now, uh, heck, let him compete for guard. I mean, this is what training camp is for. Yeah. Go to training camp, let him compete, see what happens. 
Um, but he's, uh, I think he's a smart guy. Uh, yeah, there are some bad habits he needs to clean up, but you really like the balance that he plays with the core strength. Um, like I say, he just checks a lot of boxes. And when you watch the tape, uh, you know, that, that Georgia national championship team, the, the defense gets a lot of the, uh, a lot of the attention, but without Sawyer, uh, on that offensive line, I, who knows, uh, if they win a national title, uh, or who knows if they make that type of run, he was that important to that team. You've been doing this for a while, Dane. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to to dig a, a little bit here because I I don't I don't think Storm is the guy. Storm nor I think that was just you know obviously Belaga gets hurt and but what do you remember about Trey Pipkins about your evaluation of him? Because when he was drafted, it sounded like look he's raw, but he's got traits. We're just gonna have to be patient with him. He played two games last year and he looked pretty good in those two games. Yeah. Now the other games he played in seasons before, not good. But last year it, it looked like a different player. So what what do you remember about your evaluation of Trey? Uh, you know, coming out of from a small school, what Sioux Falls, right? Sioux Falls, uh, yeah, Sioux Falls. yeah. So I mean, we're we're talking about lower level. We're talking about going up against play speed that he's never seen before and that that was the biggest thing is just for him processing wise um I, I thought he had the movement skills to do it it's just okay can he develop the core strength can he develop uh you know between between the years in terms of uh, understanding where the pressures are coming from deciphering the blitz uh you know hitting his landmarks on time that was going to be so important uh with his hands as well so <clears throat> tying that all together was, uh, you know, it's, it's a projection when you're moving from that level of play to, uh, to the NFL. And so I think, you know, what he's been doing in practice, what he's been doing, uh, the development, part. we don't talk enough about the development part after these guys are drafted. The evaluation is critical. It's, it's really important to understand what these guys can do and projecting them forward. But then the development part, that's when the coaches come in and then get their hands on these guys to, you know, really get the most out of them, the best out of them. And so, you know, I mean, he, they drafted him, what, in the top four rounds? I think third. Like, I think it was third round. Yeah, yeah, right. so it, yeah. yeah, you don't draft a player like that uh, in the third round unless you believe he has starting upside. And so, uh, you know, it'll be interesting now going into the next next training camp to see what, what type of player shows up. Um, is he a guy that's, uh, you know, with the, the play strength, with, uh, you know, the processing? Does he have enough uh, time under his belt now with NFL coaching that he's ready to take that next step? So it'll be interesting. Yeah, as Money said, you know, he he played in that Thursday night game against the Chiefs and played really well late in the year. And this was his first year with this new coaching staff. So I, I don't think it's time to kind of write off Trey Pipkins yet. I think that he may have. Uh, a, Chris, I think he might be the favorite. I really do. Like yeah. the fact that they didn't address it in the draft, that they really didn't, you know, obviously that's why I brought up Sawyer to see. And, and I'm glad you brought up the right tackle. Thing. I think he's going to, I think he's going to end up being the, the incumbent, or yeah. I shouldn't say the incumbent, the favorite, though, you know, even though, you know, Storm is kind of the incumbent. Yeah, no question. Um, hey, let's go to the third round. JT Woods, this is a guy. I love who, this guy, Dane. Dude, yeah. he led the, led the Big 12 in picks. Um, this is a guy who is a, he's a ball hawk and he can cover a lot of ground. I, I mean, maybe the best um, uh, nickname in the draft. Heartbreak uh, Kid? Uh, called him the Heartbreak Kid. I mean, <laughs> that's awesome. How, how cool is that? And, and that's something that was given to him by his teammates and his coaches at Baylor. So, uh, you know, a guy that just finds ways to get his hands on the football. And that's what you want in your DBs. Uh, guys that are in the right place at the right time. And that's usually not a coincidence. Guys that can find the football and then make something happen. So uh, the last two years, nine interceptions. Uh, you know, he also had that 97-yard fumble recovery for a touchdown this past year. 
Uh, and, you know, he can do something when he gets his hand on the ball. You know, he, he's, he can, you know, have a pick six and, and, and do something. So uh, a guy that has is 6'2", 195, and then run a 4'3", uh, you know, jumps out of the gym uh, with, with his leaping skills. I mean, the athleticism that he brings. I know some teams, they had him on the board as a corner. Uh, when you talk about a guy with that size, that length, and that speed, they just, you know, it's get them on our team. We'll figure it out later. So it'll be interesting, you know, with uh, you look at the Chargers and the safeties they have on their roster are pretty good. And so you add a guy like this to the mix. How are they going to be? How, how are they all going to work together? Are they going to when they go to more nickel packages, having three safeties on the field? Uh, you know, JT Woods, do they view him as a traditional safety? Do they think he's more versatile and can play more of a nickel role? Or is that going to be Derwin James? It, so many different things they could do here. But with an athlete like this, with a guy that has proven he can get his hands on the football, uh, I, JT Woods, I, I do like this pick. And I do like the player. Yeah, I'll tell you, Chris, I, I just kind of think about Brandon Staley and, and how forthcoming he was and, and always is, right? And he's yeah. always talking about, oh, this is our dollar. And I think you're going to see a lot of star from Derwin with, with JT and, and Nas up high. I, you know, kind of a lot of the stuff that he was doing with Jalen Ramsey with the Rams, I think he is just kind of, if he could get the right guys – on this team. And, you know, you love a Loey Gilman for his, his leadership and his, his grit, but you know, he's just not the athlete to, to park up there up top with, with Nas and, and keep the top on that defense. So that's Dan, that's kind of what I thought just knowing, like, you know, you just described it, how athletic he is, just the, the nose for the ball that, that Nas even had at Delaware. And we see it a little bit. He's just not finishing the plays in the NFL. He's there. He's just not finishing, but I kind of have this vision of he and JT up high and, and a lot of Derwin either in the box or kind of playing that star role. That makes a lot of sense. And I think when you watch the film at Baylor, the way that Dave Aranda would, uh, he has a lot of his safeties to do all these different things, whether it's, uh, you know, two safety look or playing in the box, playing in a line of scrimmage. Um, he asked a lot of his safeties and with JT Woods, something that you know, when you talk to coach Aranda about him, uh, he always points out how much film he watches, how smart he is. And he had Ivy League offers out of high school. So the intelligence is there and it translates uh, to the field. And I think you see that because of his preparation, uh, you know, earning that, a nickname like that, where he makes plays on the football, uh, you know, that, that comes from his preparation. And what, you know, coming from a scheme where Dave Aranda asked his safeties to do a lot, they put a lot on his plate. And the last two years, uh, he really stepped up and, and he answered the bell. He had- Two picks, I believe, in the Sugar Bowl. And then, I, you know, Money, to your point, I, I look at the secondary and how it's constructed. Now, you bring in J.C. Jackson, a guy who can get the football. We know Asante Samuel Jr. and his, his ball hawking skills. Nas hasn't really done it that much at the NFL level, but I feel like it's there, and it's just, it's just a matter of time. Uh, and then you bring in J.T. Woods, and we all know Derwin. So not, Derwin could just be Derwin now. And you put those two right. guys high, um, couple that with Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa up front, it looks pretty good on paper. Um I want to get to this running back now, Isaiah Spiller. And he feels like the ideal complement to uh, to Austin Eckler. Uh, where was he in your evaluation process? Were you surprised he was available in the fourth round? Uh, I had him as a borderline third, fourth. You know, could could easily sneak into that top 100, but wouldn't be surprised if he was in the fourth round. Uh, I think he got beat up a little bit because his testing was not to the level of what many people thought it would be Uh, running the four sixes, not running a three cone, things like that. His vertical was not uh, ideally what you're looking for Uh, at the running back position. uh, It it, translates with a lot of teams translate with that natural, that lower body explosion. 
but this is an instinctive runner. And I think what makes uh, Spiller so intriguing is what he does in the passing game, how good he is as a receiver, uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, th- that's really where I think he's going to make his money uh, and, and, you know, be the best version of himself uh, because he can run routes. Uh, you throw on the A&M tape and you see these wheel routes, these angle routes where uh, be, he's a catch and run threat. So, uh, but from the backfield, he can work as well. I I really like his vision. Um, Just his decision-making, his timing is is on point. So even though he might not, um, I I mean, you watch his tape and you don't see a deficient athlete. So even though the testing wasn't necessarily there, you watch his tape and you you like the way he's making guys miss. I mean, he's got really quick feet. So there's a lot to like about Isaiah Spiller and just the different ways he can help the offense. Where did he fit, like, in terms of your – and I know look, running backs are different, right? It depends what kind of running back you're, you're looking for. I mean, he's different than Kyron Williams. He's different than, right. than Brian Robinson. They're just – they're different guys. But kind of where, where was he? Because there were quite a few guys still on the board. I was surprised all those guys ended up last until the fourth round, and there was just kind of like a bunch of them. There. I think Zamir White went right before him or, or right after him. Just kind of where you had Spiller in terms of your overall rankings of running backs, Dane. He was my number three behind only uh, Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall. Uh, so I, I was high on him. I, I, the, the only two running backs that I thought were going, you know, th- those two guys, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, second rounders. And then there was a little bit of a gap. And then I think a, a lot of teams saw it that way. And so they thought, you know what, we could draft, you know, a guy here in a third round. But you know what, we feel just as good about Tyler Algier or right. Zamir White or it, it just it was such a deep running back class that stretched fourth round, fifth round that I think a lot of teams felt like they didn't need to take a running back in the third. They could just wait. And that, I think that was the case here with the chargers and Spiller where, uh, you know, they could be patient and, you know, he was there for them in the fourth round. And I think, you know, something that you love about him playing in the sec, he played right away. He was sec all freshman three years ago and his yards per carry. It got better every single year, each a 5.4 to 5.5 to 5.6. You love to see that, especially this past year where AM had basically an entirely new uh, offense with four of the five offensive linemen, brand new uh, quarterback, brand new. And so Spiller was kind of like the, the one constant from the 2020 season. And yet he had better production uh, in 2021 than he did the year before, which, which you love to see. So a uh, productive player. Again, I think what he does as a receiver out of the backfield that's really his what he does best and what's really going to define him as a player, I think. Hey, Money, you've talked about getting that compliment, getting maybe a little bit of a bigger back. Uh, Spiller had 16 100-yard games at Texas A&M. So I, I just think about NCC. this off. You know, you know when yeah. you're – Really durable. Really durable. Third and three, third and four, and, and this guy can get you first downs. That's going to work wonders for, for this offense. All right, let, let's stay in our backyard. Uh, Tito Abonia goes in the in the fifth round uh, from UCLA, the Bruin, the shot putter, uh, another guy that Brandon Staley could put across this defensive line, Dane. Yeah, and a guy that I, I think was a little bit late to the radar. Um, you know, November, December is when it, he started to really pick up steam in the, in the scouting community, and he started to hear whispers. Uh, then he gets the Senior Bowl invite, which is great for him. Uh, but you know, he's, you know, six, four, three Uh, it, you mentioned the track background, the, the pedigree that he has there. I mean, he was, he was nationally ranked in high school. Uh, and so, you know, you love to see that coming from the Houston area. Uh, he, he won the, uh, titles at the state championships and the shot put and the discus. So, uh, you know, I think that translates to the field with some of the way that, uh, that he moves and he, you know, is he a guy that, 
uh, is going to give you a ton of pass rush? Probably not. I mean, you, you do see, uh, you know, a little bit of spurts, a little bit of flashes here and there, but that's not, he's, he's not really a, uh, a guy that's going to uh, be a penetrator consistently. Uh, but you do love the traits. You, you do the, the size, uh, almost 34 and a half inch arms, uh, really strong at the point of attack. Uh, he does have explosiveness at contact. And so he can create movement. Uh, you know, he has, he makes it really tough on blockers to anchor down. He can uh, get those guys moving in reverse. Um, and so uh, it, it, he plays really well versus the run. And that's something that I think is going to be an important part of, of, for him as a rookie, being part of that rotation up front in the Chargers scheme. Um, it'll be interesting to see exactly where they line him up, if they see, you know, if they kind of move him around or not. But um, not much of a pass rusher, but I think a really good run defender and someone that should be part of the rotation pretty early. I uh, I was doing coverage for, for NFL Network, Dane. And so, you know, at the end of each day, who's the winner of this and who's the winner of that? And and um, sadly, repeatedly, I felt like I, I kept looking at the Chiefs and going, oh, man, I really like Trent McDuffie and, and George Karloftis. And yeah. how did Sky Moore last this long? When you just to kind of scout the rest of the division, just kind of your thoughts on their first uh, four. I, I don't remember if Chanel was their fourth or fifth, whatever it was. But just like it seemed like, man, they got a lot of really good players early in this draft. Yeah. It definitely one stings for you. I know it's, it, it's, it stings. Not, I thought it continued on day three. I mean, I, so for the athletic, I, I, I don't do grades, but I, my, my spin is I, I rank one through 32, my favorite draft classes, just, no analytical formula right. here. Just, you know, I like from, these. Yeah. From, from my gut, you know, it, I, I really like what they did and the chiefs were number two <laughs> for me. So, uh, wow. sky Moore might've been my favorite pick of the entire, entire draft to get him yeah. at 54. Um, he's not an apples to apples replacement for Tyree kill. They're very different players, but you think about what, uh, sky Moore does uh, for that underneath passing game and what he can do vertically, uh, with a quarterback like uh, Patrick Mahomes, that's just, uh, I, I think that has a chance to be really special pretty quickly. Uh, but yeah, then to uh, you get Leo Chanel later. And then even like on day three, uh, last year, Trey Smith out of Tennessee, they get him in the sixth round and he has this great rookie season. He is a consistent starter for them. They might've done the same thing with Darian Kennard out of Kentucky, go back to the sec, get a guy that's falling. And then maybe Jamar Sawyer will be that guy too. Uh, so, you know, a couple of those sec uh, uh, guards, I thought, you know, fell where maybe we did, we thought they'd be day two picks. Uh, but yeah, the chiefs, I, I thought they, they knocked it out of the park. Uh, you know, the Raiders, they, they didn't have uh, a pick in the first two rounds. And so obviously, you know, that, that hurt them quite a bit, but to get Dylan Parham out of Memphis in, in round three, I thought was outstanding value. Uh, a guy that can play guard can play center. Uh, he's, he brings that versatility. He reminds me a lot of Shaq Mason, uh, coming out and okay, well, the, the coaching staff, pretty, pretty familiar, yeah, pretty familiar uh, with, with Shaq Mason. So I, I thought that was a natural fit. That made a lot of sense that they, they pick up Zamir white, they get uh, Neil Farrell, the uh, more of the, the nose tackle out of LSU uh, there in the fourth round. Um, and then Butler, uh, I think, right. Then they get Matthew Butler well. after that, more of the good, three techniques. So player. yeah, complimentary defensive tackles back to back there. Uh, then even Thayer Munford out of Ohio state tackle guard versatility, um, at, at the very least, he's going to give you some immediate depth. So like what they did, and then, you know, same thing with Denver where they didn't necessarily have the draft picks, but I thought they maximized where they were drafting to get a Nick Benito, uh, who, you know, there are questions about Nick Benito as a run defender and, you know, you have to have a plan for him. Well, he's going to a defense where you've got Bradley Chubb on one side, 
Randy Gregory on the other. Uh, Jonathan Cooper, out of, you know, out of Ohio State last year, had a pretty good rookie season. You just add, you sprinkle in Nick Benito to the mix where he's going to be a sub-package player and you don't, you can be a little creative with how, do you, how you use him. I think that makes a lot of sense. And then Greg Dolchek. Anybody uh, got end. more bend than Benito, by the way? I, I, does anybody bend more than that guy? It's like his body is just cranked in half when he hits that edge. And he's just shot out of a rocket. I mean, yeah. his, that initial burst, I mean, he had one of the best 10-yard splits in this draft and no surprise because that matches the tape. Um, so, and his ability uh, to force the quarterback to move his feet and to always, okay, you know, I got to look for his number. I know he's out there. Um, and so it's it, Nick Benito creates pressure and that, that's what you're looking for at the position. Uh, Dolchik, uh, getting yeah. him in the third round, you know, he was, uh, you know, the, I think, believe the second tight end drafted, which is what we thought he'd be, uh, not going to be your traditional, you know, hand on the ground, wide tight end. But as an F tight end that you could use in the in the slot, you, you could use him in line a little bit. Um, but he's going to be a first down machine, at least have that potential. And so, you know, you trade away Noah Fant, you bring in Greg Dolchik. Uh, I, you know, it's uh, I don't think that's big of a, that big of a drop off uh, for Denver and what they did at tight end. And what surprised you most about that first round? We talked about when the run on quarterbacks was going to happen. The run never happened. Yeah. Uh, Malik Willis goes in the third round pick. It was the only first round uh, quarterback drafted. And frankly, I think that that maybe uh, affected the, the Chargers plan, not knowing, you know, if there was maybe two or three quarterbacks going before them, who knows what the board would have looked like. Yeah, and it's funny. We, when you do a mock draft, it's just, it's hard to find landing spots for those guys. And so, yeah. uh, you know, I, in my final mock, I had Kenny Pickett going 20 as my first quarterback off the board just because it was it was tough to figure out, okay, even if there are trades, who's trading up? I, I, I didn't see the Saints drafting a quarterback. Um, you know, maybe the Lions could make it that kind of jump. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it was too surprising that only one quarterback went in the first round. Now, the fact that zero quarterback went in the second round, to me, that was the shocking part of, of this quarterback class because we talked so much about, you know, Malik Willis, where could he go uh, in the first round and maybe Sam Howell sneaks in there or, uh, you know, Desmond Ritter has a chance. And so for uh, no quarterbacks off the board uh, besides Kenny Pickett until I think it was 74 and Desmond Ritter Howell goes the in the fifth round, right? <laughs> That's crazy. That's just I, I crazy. mean, at some point, it's just like, okay, well, uh, it, you know, let, let, let's roll the dice on this player because Sam Howell, he's got talent. And yeah, yeah. I, I know last season did not go as planned. Um, I, I heard some of his interviews weren't all that great, but I, he's got a beautiful deep ball. He's He's got more than enough arm strength. Uh, he's a mobile player uh, and he's, he's, you know, a good character guy, like good football character. So I don't know. I, that was surprising to see him last all the way to the fifth. And I mean, I, I could already hear the Sam Howell chance, uh, you know, with, uh, Carson you Wentz. know, yeah, Carson that, Wentz. he's going to play. There's no question. Like that, uh, yeah, to me, yeah. Dane, that one's crazy. I don't know how that guy lasted. He is way too talented to be there in the fifth round. And maybe the happiest guy was Deami Brown uh, for, for yeah, Washington, right. who they drafted yeah. day two last year. And now they get to reunite. So that would be pretty cool uh, if Sam Howell gets on the field, but, yeah, the quarterbacks, but I, you know what? I, I I loved where the quarterbacks ended up. You know, if you're the Falcons, Desmond Ritter, it's I, I, I he's not going to stop you from drafting a quarterback next year if that's the direction you want to go. Um, but you just want Desmond Ritter in your quarterback room. So I thought that was a great spot for him there in the third round. Malik Willis going to Tennessee. I, he's not going to be pressing the action from day one. You can develop him at his own pace behind Ryan Tannehill. So really like that fit. That I think that made a lot of sense. 
he's not going to have a mentor in Tennessee, though. I tell you that. That will yeah. Uh, well, you know what? That's okay. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't think Brett Favre didn't mentor Aaron Rodgers, and uh, yeah, yeah, Dak Prescott was not mentored by Tony Romo. Tony Romo had the same same attitude towards it. Uh, you know, I I get it. It's yeah. It, it's just not how it, it works in every situation. So, uh, but who knows how? You know, once you, these guys get to camp and you know start working together, and you know, it's just that, that kind of stuff. It'll happen organically, maybe. Um, but Matt Corral going to the Panthers, another one where, uh, it, you know, it's it's such a, a a bizarre quarterback situation right now for the Panthers as they try to figure out, you know, who's going to be the guy. Okay, well, let's let's roll the dice uh, on a guy like Matt Corral here in the late third round. Uh, I, I didn't love that they're trading future draft picks already to go up and get him. But, you know, if you're if you're Matt Rule, tomorrow's not promised. So, you know, let's let's go try to get a quarterback, add him to the mix. Uh, a guy with an explosive arm can put points on the board. Uh, consistency, we'll, we'll figure it out. But, uh, you know, adding adding Matt Corral made sense. So even though we only had one quarterback in the first two rounds, which is so rare, I mean, it's you never see it. Um, I, I still think that it made sense where these quarterbacks ended up. Money, go ahead. Yeah, gee, I would love to know just because since we're on the the non charger part of the conversation, um, again, just asking you to dig into uh, Beast's prior and and the, you know the Sam Howell thing's crazy to me. The Baker Mayfield thing is nuts to me. It's such a weird situation. Um, yeah. Two years ago, the guy has a solid season, beats the absolute hell out of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs, and. In my opinion, he's better than half the quarterbacks in the league, and he cannot find yeah. a job. Like your evaluation of him, and and what you were hearing, and why teams were just so reluctant to to bring him in instead of you know drafting a a, a Matt Corral or a Desmond Ritter or something. You know, I know they signed Marcus Mariota, but just like how that guy doesn't have a job, and looks like he might not have a job. Yeah, it's it's such a, a layered conversation because, uh, and, and I, I mean, I agree with all your points. And you also factor in that Baker was hurt this past year. Yeah. So he's not playing at 100%. Um, I, yeah, I mean, there. if you're going to list the 32 best quarterbacks in the world, he's in that conversation. I mean, he's a starter, NFL starter, probably, and he's probably somewhere in that, uh, you know, 12 to 20 range yeah. right, in terms of, you know, being the, one of the best in the world, be, being able to do it. Now, like, I think the timing of everything, it just totally screwed everything up. You know, if if that Deshaun Watson trade happens in, uh, you know, beginning of the offseason before all these dominoes fell, who knows? I mean, maybe Washington, instead of the draft capital to go get Carson Wentz, maybe they use some of that draft capital to go get a Baker Mayfield. Um, But it's just the fact that that it took a while because of the, the legal proceedings and everything for that Deshaun Watson trade to happen. Now where we are, it's. Okay, uh, you know the, the Carolina, Seattle. I mean, there's just so there's just not many chairs left for for a Baker Mayfield. And if you're like the if you're the Falcons, you're not competing next year. Like, I mean, you want a higher draft pick. So I'm not exactly looking to trade future draft capital to make my quarterback situation better right now when we're rebuilding for the long term. So right. where a lot of these teams are in, on their in their timelines. I, it just didn't match up. So uh, unfortunately for Baker and for the Browns, they're just not going to get great value for him. And so for the Browns, they have to make a decision. Okay. Are we just going to take a fifth round pick and say, all right, you know what? That's just, it is what it is. Uh, Cause he's not, he's not playing for the Browns ever again. I mean, that that's not going to happen. Right. Deshaun Watson likely, you know, he's facing a possible suspension. Baker Mayfield's never putting on a Browns uniform again, but 
is it worth hanging on to him a little bit into training camp, even though he's not going to show up for training camp and say, you know, like maybe there'll be an injury somewhere. And then that's when we can uh, maybe make a trade or they just do it. Now. So many moving parts here, uh, the money that's involved. Um, and that's another part of this that I think is, is worth mentioning. We, we talk so much about that option, why quarterbacks could go in the first round. That fifth-year option for quarterbacks, I don't it's an think anchor. It's a, exactly, 100%. It's, it's not as appealing as people think. It, look at Sam Darnold. Look at Baker Mayfield. Look, the Giants not picking up that fifth-year option for Daniel Jones. Yeah, that's right. If your quarterback is good enough, uh, you're already talking extension by the time you get to that time to pick up a fifth-year option. So it's, it's, it's not really something that I think teams look at and say, well, you know, let, let's just it's take our quarterback now because of that fifth-year option in, in the late first round. So that, that's part of the conversation yeah. as well with these quarterbacks. Dean, I know you got a role, man. We'll, we'll get you out here on this. Uh, just maybe quick hit thoughts on uh, a couple of DBs that the Chargers drafted. Just Sir Taylor out of Wake, Dean Leonard, Ole Miss, and then our, our guy. Uh, get the fullback Bo- in there. Horvath. Get yeah, the fullback only, in there. Only fullback drafted those last three picks. And I know you say you don't do grades, but maybe give us a, give the Chargers a subjective grade here. <laughs> Objective grade. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jasir Taylor, uh, a, a guy that can help out uh, as a return man. Uh, he loved the speed, mid four fours. So he's got explosiveness. Uh, he's got the aggressiveness that you want a, a, as a DB. So I think there's a lot of things that uh, you're looking for traits at this point in the draft, right? And so speed, because cornerback, we know stopwatch position. Uh, so you're going with speed. You're going with that aggressive mentality. Uh, I love the way he competes with wide receivers. I mean, he will not back down. Um, and so you love that about him. Uh, fluidity, he can turn and run. Uh, ball skills he finds the football make plays so uh, you know I, I think that's something that showed up a lot on uh, Jasir Taylor's tape and so I understand you know why they you know would want to roll the dice on him uh, with uh, with Leonard uh, you know he's a guy again say a lot of the same things that I said about Taylor same thing with Leonard you're, you're a guy that good size 6'1 195 uh, and, and you know or yeah you want to bank on the speed right so four three seven uh, 40 year dash uh, so you know he's, he's the type of guy that uh, you know, it's bet on the speed, see what happens, uh, bring him to camp, make a bit, bring him a part of this competition, uh, see what he can do. And so I uh, like that, uh, uh, like that uh, addition. And then with, with Horvath, um, I mean, he's a guy that's just easy to appreciate. I mean, he was, he was a shrine guy. And so uh, watching the, the practice tape of him at the shrine game, it was really cool. Um, and, you know, maybe not going to, uh, there's a little bit of, okay, is he, uh, is he going to be a ball carrier? Is he going to be a blocker? Is he going to be a receiver? Like, I mean, how do you exactly use him? He's a little bit of everything. I mean, he, he does, um, he does a little bit of everything. So you see balance of contact, you see hands out of the backfield. Um, maybe not the most explosive guy out there, but for a guy that's, you know, his size, 230 pounds, he moves really well. And so, um, I, I think he has upside as a blocker. He is upside as a pass catcher. And he's got special teams experience yeah. that that that's key more than anything is can you come in? Can you play special teams, um, especially as a as a fullback and a guy that, uh, you know, is probably always going to be towards the bottom of the roster. You need to be able to play special teams and prove your worth, prove your roster spot. That's the first thing I thought, Chris. I just thought back to how good Derek Watt was on special teams when he was here. And, you know, what would he get? Maybe three to five snaps a game like that was basically his max but he was just a beast on special teams and I think for Tom Telesco he's always had luck with the linebacker fullback combination on special teams those tend to be the better performers 
uh, over his tenure that they'd get out there. So, you know, last year it was Neiman before that it was Dezubner before, you know, between those two, it was, it was Derek Watts. So that's kind of what I saw with, with Horvath, but I would love to know Dane just quickly just to put a button on him. Cause we saw Steven Anderson last year, tight end would line up as a fullback would block, would catch some passes out of the backfield. Does he have like that kind of movement where he could be a run the route kind of guy, like, like almost sort of an extra tight end. Does he have that to him or no? Um, I don't, when you watch him on film, I don't think you see like an explosive athlete, but I, I, I did really like his balance and his change of direction. So I do think that he, he has some of that to him and he tested really well. Uh, a four, six and a 40 yard dash is, is average, but yeah. you look at his three cone, six, seven, five, that's well above average, uh, for a guy that's 230 pounds. So I do think you, some of these angle routes, some of these quick hitters, the underneath passing game, absolutely. I think he could, uh, be an asset. So, and, and, Look, he's got the you know the background that you want as well. He's a former walk-on, worked his way uh, to uh, you know having uh, you know the, the career that he did. Uh, led the team in rushing uh, last season in 2020, and then led the team in rushing touchdowns this past year. So he's got that mentality, that grinder, make it mentality that I think you want to see. And I, to Chris, to answer your other question about where the Chargers just rank overall, so on my my article that I uh, that I mentioned that the, my favorite draft classes, the Chargers came in at number eleven uh, for me. So a, a team that I did really like. I mean, Zion Johnson, one of my favorite players in the draft. Uh, you know, getting not having that second round pick obviously played a, a part in, in why they were eleven and not top ten, not higher. Um, but I, I really liked what they did uh, with JT Woods and then Isaiah Spiller and I mean Jamari Sawyer, maybe the best value of the entire draft uh, in my opinion. So I, I did really like what the Chargers did. Top third in the league. And Muddy, I know you like Boilermakers. The last three Purdue Boilermakers drafted by the Chargers, Sean Phillips, Nick Hardwick, and Drew Brees. Worked so, out pretty well, huh? Three for three. Yeah. There you go. Go <laughs> back go to four that well. Four, maybe, huh? go, go back to West Lafayette. <laughs> That's right. Dane, uh, thank you. Thank you so much, man. This was an awesome uh, last month with you, spending some time and um, breaking everything down for us. We can't thank you enough. And Monday, we're going to go from, this is one of my favorite pods of the year to next week, the schedule release. We're going to break down all oh, 17 games, baby. Oh yeah. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> I love doing that. We'll have you know, that projected how, record how they for play you. Week seven on the road. This is going to be great. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, all right, guys. That'll Meanwhile, I just want to I want to plant this seed real quick because I, I uh, it's just me show. It's a humble brag, even though I'm going to show my ignorance. I don't know their names, but I know their numbers, Dane. Uh, 15, 31 and 88, I believe, are the, the numbers of the three dudes that uh, that get me excited about the draft next year. All defensive players, all in the SEC, um, two Alabama, one Georgia. Georgia's 88, Alabama's 15 and 31, right? Yeah, Jalen Carter, the defensive he, – he might be the best defensive lineman that Georgia produces. And that's saying something considering uh, uh, Georgia just had three first-round yeah. uh, defensive linemen. And, I mean, Will Anderson, he would have been – Incredible. Would have been the number one overall pick this year if you were allowed to declare um, as a true sophomore. But um, he is – he's rare. He is very, very different. He is in that Miles Garrett, Chase Young uh, conversation as, you know, Joey Bosa, I mean, elite – uh, type of edge rusher, no doubt. So definitely a guy to watch for next year. There we go. And then the quarterbacks, what, by five quarterbacks off the board of the first round? It'll be interesting. I mean, it'll be – I mean, next year's quarterback class is always better, right? So right. – uh, but I think I think this year will certainly prove true. I, it's going to be the the C.J. Stroud versus uh, Bryce Young Bryce conversation Young, yeah. 
we're going to have that conversation in the next uh, next 11 months. Uh, and not, you know, just draft time, but Heisman conversation and Alabama and Ohio State, uh, you know, vying for playoff contention and all that. So uh, I'm a big believer in C.J. Stroud with what I saw last year, the improvements he made throughout the year. Um, he's just for a young player. The anticipation he showed was outstanding. I had a lot of talent around him uh, and, and still will. Uh, Columbus, they just kind of restocked that wide receiver room. It's pretty remarkable. Uh, and then Bryce Young, uh, a little undersized, but he's got the two P's, poise and processing. Uh, yeah. Really, really impressive. So we'll be, we'll be talking more about those guys here soon enough. Yeah. Not giving up on my man, DJ. I'm but not who? giving up on my man, DJ. He's, I know it just got sideways on him at Clemson. He's the best yeah. high school quarterback I've ever watched in my life. I refuse to believe that, uh, that it's over for him. I'm holding that great young man, too. I'm holding out hope that that he can get that worked out because you talk about measurables. My goodness, the man's oh, an absolute yeah. – and a former, you know, would have been a first-round pick as a center fielder playing baseball, so that type of athleticism. So let's uh, – Hold out hope. Plant some positive seeds for the local kid to figure it out this year. A lot of it's just, yeah, mechanical with them. Just needs to be more consistent. Put it up. Yeah, you're absolutely right, though. The tools, the traits, off the charts. Yeah. 2023. (laughs) We're already talking about it. We're already here, baby. (laughs) Dane, thank you so much for money. I'm Chris. This has been Chargers Weekly. We'll see you next week for the schedule release.